The title of my message this morning is Becoming Watchmen on the Walls of Our City. You will recall last time that I preached a message entitled Rebuilding the Walls of Our City. So this is basically a continuation uh, from that message. But what we're going to be looking at today, we're going to be focusing on how to become effective watchmen of our city. What are the things that we need to be praying for? And how do we position ourselves in such a way that we are those who effectively pray and watch over our city. So I'm going to start off by reading a quotation from E.M. Bounds. And it reads, prayers outlive the lives of those who uttered them. They outlive a generation. They outlive an age. They outlive a world. And when I read that, I thought, wow, that is so profound. And I thought to myself, Lord, these are the kind of prayers I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray prayers that go beyond my lifetime, prayers that impact generations, that impact the generation of my children, that impact the generation of their children, generations that I'll never see, the generations that I'll probably be, not be able to be a part of, but that my prayers will make sense and will make a difference in generations to, to come. I say to the Lord, Lord, you know what? I'd like my prayers to be prayers that demolish giants. And that's really my heart for this church, for us as a people who reside in this city, that we will pray prayers that demolish giants in our day so that our children will not have to deal with the same giants we're grappling with in our day, but that they will face just different uh, situations that, you know, where we would have fought for them when it comes to, to certain things. The fact of the matter is, if we don't fight the giants and issues of our day, then we are going to be transferring the responsibility and burden of fighting those giants to our children and I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in that, in that position. Sometimes I look at the situations and things that we fight with, we grapple with, we struggle with, obstacles before that. And I always say to myself, I wonder if our forefathers had prayed over these things and sorted these things for us. You know, would it, would it, you know we would probably be in a different uh, place in this generation. I want us to be a church whose prayers will send shivers to the enemy's camp 300 years from now. And so, therefore, it is obviously in our interest and in the interest of generations to come to pray that the purposes of God will be fulfilled not only in our lives, but in not only in our personal lives, but in our city, in our nations, and in the generations to come. I like what it says in Isaiah 62 from verse 6 to 7. Isaiah says to the people of Israel, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. Now, watchmen is a generic term, so it also refers to, to, to women. So I don't want the ladies to feel uh, left out. And the duties of a watchman, they involve watching, they involve watching over a city. In this context, they involve watching over Jerusalem. They involve observing what is going on every minute of the day. So a watchman, when they're on duty, they don't sleep. They, don't, they should not be losing focus or concentration. They observe what is going on every minute of the day. A watchman is to be focused. They are to be vigilant, they are to be quick. And the most important thing is a watchman does not desert his or her post. And during ancient times, during this time that Isaiah was referring to, you would find that if watchmen saw anything, observed anything amiss, they would immediately report it to the authorities. So they had a crucial, crucial, important job to to roll, to play. And when I think about this, th this picture, there's questions I can't help asking. And the first question is, how vigilant are we over the affairs of our city? 
How vigilant are we over the affairs of our city? Do we really know what is going on in our city? Are we concerned? Do we care about what's going on? Do we care about the problems in our city? Is there something in us, in our spirit that says, you know what, I want to pray into this. I want this to be resolved. My second question is, are we faithful guardians of the city or are we notorious at deserting our posts? Because the role of a watchman is that they are guardians over their city and they do not desert their posts and they are very concerned over the affairs of their city. Isaiah goes on to say, they shall never hold their peace day or night. In other words, these watchmen shall stand on duty 24-7. These watchmen shall pray continually. They shall pray continually, faithfully carrying the burden of the Lord all seasons of their life. That is the typical lifestyle of the watchmen. And I think that is our call, the call of God to our church as Jehovah Christian Church, that we should be the type of people when we think of Johannesburg, when we think of Fairland, when we think of our city, who will never hold their peace day and night, but are present 24-7, looking out over the affairs of our city, praying continuously, asking God, what is your burden over Joburg in this season, Lord? I want to carry that burden. Position me to carry that burden, Lord. Speak to me. Show me how I can effectively pray for this particular city. And my question to us this morning is, how available are we to carry the burden of the Lord for this city? How available are we to carry the burden of the Lord for this city? And then in that very uh, same, uh, those two verses, it goes on to say, you who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. Do not keep silent. And for me, when I read that, there's definitely an encouragement to be persistent before the Lord. How many of you sometimes you come to the Lord in prayer and you're like, yeah, but I prayed that last week, you know. But you know what, I prayed that two months ago. But here it's encouraging that Isaiah says, you who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. So basically he's encouraging these watchmen and saying to them, guys, if you have to pray over and over and over again until the purposes of God are fulfilled in this city, then go for it, do not stop, but have a heart for persistence. I'm encouraged and reminded, you know, of the, the story in the New Testament of the widow and the judge. The widow went to the judge and was basically demanding that her issue, her matter be looked into until the judge, you know, basically said to himself, unless I resolve this issue, this woman is not going to stop. If we want to see God fulfill the purposes for our city, we've got to be the kind of watchmen who are persistent. We don't give up, we keep praying, we keep asking the Lord for, we keep asking the Lord to do something about our situation, who keep seeking the face of the Lord, who keep knocking on heaven's door. I want to encourage us. It doesn't matter what, you know, the, what, what, what people are saying about Johannesburg. It doesn't matter what the state of our city is, especially now when we have a new provincial government that's just been set in and everyone is waiting and thinking, okay, what, you know, what's next? What's going to happen? Are these people, how competent are they? Are they really going to make a difference? But we've got to be the kind of Christians, the kind of prayerful people, the kind of watching who will keep asking, who will keep seeking the face of God, who will keep knocking on heaven's door until God fulfills his plans for this city. Amen. I'm going to ask more questions. How persistent are we before God in our prayers for this city? Or do we pray, and then, you know, if something doesn't, you know, whatever we pray for doesn't come to fruition, we give up. My next question is, do we carry the kind of persistence that leaves God with no choice but to grant our requests? Like the persistent widow and judge. 
I work with a lady, she's got a, a daughter who's about um, two years old and has started going to, to kindergarten. And the one time she came to work and she was quite frustrated and she said, you know what, my daughter would not wear her tracksuit bottom. She literally insisted on going to school in her underwear. And then persisted, I would say, and, and she was basically saying to us, you know what, I, I just didn't have the energy to fight. So I let her go, you know, I put her in the car in such a state, we went to school. But the funny thing is when they got to school and the teachers, you know, when she got to the, I don't know what it is with kids and teachers, you know. And she, my, my friend then just gave the, the teacher the tracksuit bottom and this girl who a few hours, you know, a few and a couple of, I don't know, an hour ago would not wear this various, well, like just like complied, like this innocent little, 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 you know, is that how kids, you know, is that how they behave? But the one thing I remember her saying to us in the office is that my daughter was so persistent, refused, and she didn't want to fight with her. And so often I ask myself, you know, when it comes to the things of God, how persistent are we? Are we so persistent to such an extent that we leave God with no option but to say, you know what, these people have been praying and trusting me for this city, for breakthrough in this city. Well, let's just have this thing done. And then finally in that verse it says, and give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. This tells me that God was relying on, this watch, on these watchmen to pray so that Jerusalem could be established and become a praise in the earth. Could it be that God is looking for this type of watchmen for Jobuk, those who will give him no rest until he is established and made Johannesburg a praise in the earth? And what I see about this, you know, when I read Isaiah 62, the, these two verses, basically what comes to mind is that God is saying, I want to work. I want to do something in this city. But we've got to work as a team. You guys have got to come to the party by praying, by standing in faith and praying and sowing the word of God over the city. Then I will also do my part. Could it be that God is calling this church to a collaborative effort with him where he's saying, I want to effect my plans in this city, but I need you to work, to work with you. The thing, the fact of the matter is that God is seated in heaven and is trusting us to work with him and pray so that he can actually effect his plans for this city. In Ezekiel 22 verse 30, it says, so I sought for a man among them who would make a war. So I sought for a man among them who would make a war. And we need to remember that during Ezekiel's time, Israel had become idolatrous. They'd become an idolatrous nation when separated from God. And so basically when he prophesies over this nation, and this is God speaking through Ezekiel, and he says, I sought for a man among the Israelites so that that particular man or people would make a war. And when God was talking about making a war, he was talking about restoring a breach that had been caused by the enemy. And that to me shows that God's heart and desire throughout the generations is to be reconciled to his people. It doesn't matter what mess our city can be in. It doesn't matter how hopeless the situation in our city could be. But the fact of the matter, if you read scripture right from Genesis right through to Revelation, to the book of Revelation, you cannot deny the fact that God desires to be reconciled and restored to his very own people. After all, that's the whole purpose why he sent his, uh, his son Jesus for that very, very purpose. Even in our day, the desire for God has not changed. He desires to be restored and reconciled to his people. It goes on to say in that very uh, same verse, Ezekiel 20, 30, and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. So I sought for a man among them who would make a war 
and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. And basically, when the Bible talks about standing in the gap, it is a metaphor for committed intercession. Not just intercession, but it is a metaphor for committed intercession. So God was basically saying, I want those, I was looking for somebody who would actually come to me in intercession, would stand God, would link God's mercy with man's need, would plead to God on behalf of the people so that I would not destroy them. We all know that God detests sin. And at this time, he was looking, was looking around throughout Israel and saying, is there somebody who's prepared to make a war, who's prepared to stand in the gap before me on behalf of this land so that I don't have to destroy Israel, so that we can be reconciled once again, so that I can advance these people into what I've called them, that I would not destroy it, but goes on to say, I found none. My question to us this morning is how committed are we to making a wall and standing in the gap before God on behalf of our city? Do we really have a desire to see our city reconciled to God? Because sometimes what happens is when we look at the state of our city, when we look at the state of Johannesburg, people are thinking, you know, I just want the economy to be okay, you know, so that my business will survive, you know, so that my career would advance. But do we look beyond that? Do we look at the city in terms of what God's heart for this city is? And do we ask ourselves what is really our part in advancing God's purposes in this city? So when God asks Ask the question today, is there a person, is there anybody in this church, in this city, can I find Christians who can actually and are prepared to make a war and stand in the gap so that I can actually come and rescue this city and move it ahead into what I've called it to? In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is a verse with a condition, several conditions. Number one, there's got to be humility. They've got to come to me in humility. They have to pray. They have to seek my face and then turn from their wicked ways. Those were the conditions. But there's also like a threefold result extended to us. Then I will hear from heaven. That's a promise from God. Not only will I hear from heaven, but I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Again, we see God's desire to heal our land, God's desire to heal our city. It is through repentance, reconciliation, and prayer that the present generation can work to repair the broken broken down walls of our city. God desires to do something about Johannesburg, guys. God desires to see this city prosper. God desires to see this city move in the fullness of its redemptive purpose. Amen. So God effects his sovereign purposes in concert with the prayers of his children. So in other words, if we're not going to pray, if we're not going to relax, we are going to watch our city deteriorate. But if we're going to rise up and say, you know what, we're going to take our rightful stand. We've got a God who can actually make things change in this nation, make things change in our city. We're going to rise up and be a responsible people, a responsible community and church and work with God so that he can effect his purposes in this city. My prayer for this generation, my prayer for our church as Go Church is I want us to be a people who hear God's voice, a people who move in sync with God's voice and God's strategies for this, for this particular city. I want us to be a people who carry the burden of the Lord. It's one thing to pray for what we desire, what looks good to us, or what we think is right, but it's another thing to actually ask God and say, 
today, what are your burdens for this city, Lord? Father, I pray that you would expand our capacity, that we'll be a church, we'll be a people, we'll be a congregation, we'll be a group of Christians that will carry fully that burden, we'll work with you in your strategies, work with you in what you are thinking, work with you in what you want to be done, and move and, 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 and advance in this city. And we want to be a people who ask God the relevant questions. Sometimes we can be so fired up when we're praying, but the question is, are we praying our rights? Are we asking God the right questions? Are we praying impactful prayers? And that's really my desire for us as a church, especially in this life stage um, in Johannesburg. What I want us to do is I want us to look at a number of keys to becoming effective watchmen in our city. Keys to becoming effective watchmen in our city. The first key is we need to develop a culture of prayer in our personal lives. Amen. We need to be a praying people in our personal lives. You don't need an, an aero, you know, aerodynamics specialist to know that you cannot run a marathon. 42, is it 42 and a half Ks? 42? 42? 42. If you can barely walk a kilometer. The thought of often when we preach messages or when we hear messages like this, we, we, we think to ourselves, well, you know what, I, I still have issues. I, I can hardly, you know, you know I'm, I've got issues in my own personal prayer, prayer, uh, prayer, prayer life. But we need to develop a culture of prayer in our personal lives. You cannot run a marathon if you can, can, can barely walk a kilometer unless we are in right standing with God and our communication channels with God have no blockages, we will find it burdensome to pray for our city. Amen? So we need to ask ourselves some questions like, how disciplined and diligent am I in my personal prayer life? When we get that right, when we're disciplined, when we're diligent, when we're focused in that arena, it becomes easy to then take and carry other burdens. Amen? What are the things that are hindering me from having an effective personal prayer life? We need to come to God in honesty and be candid before him and say, Lord, you know what? I really want to be somebody with a sorted out prayer life, personal prayer life, but help me. How can I get better? How can I take my personal prayer life to the next level? I like what it says in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to encourage us when you go home, the next time when you spend time with the Lord, just say, Lord, is my personal prayer life way it should be. How can I take it? Help me take it to the next level. What do I need to do to take it to the next level? It becomes easy to carry the burden of the city when you're in good standing with God, when you're in communion with God anyway, when you're praying, when you're focused, your personal prayer life is healthy. Amen. So that's the first key. The second key is we need to understand biblical or spiritual warfare. Now in Ephesians 6 verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in heavenly places. The fact of the matter is that out there in cities, there are demonic powers at work. There are territorial spirits that live and work in specific geographical areas. If you study, you know, the, the cities, you find that there, there, there are certain uh, uh, demons that operate in coastal cities. There are also certain de demons that seem to be dominant in inland cities. 
So the fact of the matter is that their powers, their principalities, their rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places that can actually take control of a city. And sometimes what happens when you study like the history of cities, and I know I touched a little bit in my, on this in my last message, that when you study the history of cities, you can actually begin to understand how certain spirits, how certain strongholds, how certain behaviors entered a city or were allowed to enter um, a city. And often it takes a spirit of discernment to identify what spirits are operational in cities or which strongholds need to be bound. Now here's the thing. I want you to hear me well and hear me well in my next point here. We don't just go around binding spirits, specifically territorial spirits. You don't just go around and do that. This has to be wisely done, and preferably by those who carry the requisite spiritual authority, particularly at an apostolic level. When you deal with territorial spirits, or geographical spirits, or governmental spirits, there also has to be an appropriate governmental authority that has to deal with those spirits at that particular level. And the reason why this is so is because there's backlash that comes with it. So you can't just come in, a, you know, in a city like Jobbik and say, yeah, you know, I, I uproot, you know, this governmental spirit and so on. And meanwhile, back at the ranch, you can actually just, you, 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 you're battling to resolve, you know, seemingly mundane issues in, in, in your life. Governmental spirits are dealt with by governmental authority. But it is important for us as Christians to understand how spiritual or biblical warfare works and what is our part to do and what, is the, what can be done at an apostolic level. We need to see God's face and his strategy when dealing with city spirits. We've got to be very wise. We just don't go around and just, you know, uprooting and tearing down. There are also levels of authority that are involved in that. In Matthew 10, verse 16, it says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We've got to be a people who walk in wisdom and know and understand the strategies of God and the technique of actually engaging in warfare. So we need God's wisdom when engaging in spiritual warfare over our city. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 10, from verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. The strongholds that bind urban populations or strongholds that bind cities do have power, but they're not invincible. Do have power, but they're not invincible. I'm encouraged by Colossians 2, verse 15. It talks of Jesus and says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So yes, we don't have to be intimidated by the power of the enemy, but we've got to be wise in how we engage in warfare. Amen. So that's the second key. The third key in terms of positioning ourselves as watchmen on the walls of our city, Joburg, is we need to craft prayers for our city and pray them. Now, what is a crafted prayer? A crafted prayer is a prayer intentionally scripted for a specific situation. Okay, let me just give you an example. And I wanna encourage you to do this. I want, you, I want to encourage you as a family as an individual to actually have crafted prayers over as many things over your life as possible. Your children, your son, write a crafted prayer over him 
whether it's you know around whether whether you 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 you, you script it from a scripture or from things you've been sensing over him ever since the time he was conceived right through to his to his birth through the time he's running around and even what you foresee over his life what God has told write a crafted prayer over him over your spouse over your business write a crafted prayer and what happens is when you write a crafted prayer over a situation or over someone um, in, um, you know, in, um, in, in your family, what happens is if you hear that they've been involved in a car accident, the chances of you praying with a straight mind are probably next to nil. If you hear, well, they've now been airlifted, or if I hear my dad you know, involved in a car accident, airlifted you know, to the hospital and is now in ICU, I want to tell you I'm not going to be in a normal state to actually pray effectively for the situation. But do you know what? When I have a crafted prayer over my dad, I just draw it out and take all emotion out of it and begin to declare those things that I crafted way back and just begin to speak into that situation and my prayer is more likely to be effective than when I'm all panicky and anxious and not knowing what to do. So if we are going to be effective watchmen over our city, Joburg, we also need to get into the habit of writing crafted prayers over Joburg. I want to encourage you as, as a family to write a crafted prayer over our city. Here's an example of a crafted prayer I wrote over Joburg. We thank you, Lord, for the city of Joburg. Arise, shine, Johannesburg, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. The Lord will rise over you, Joburg, and his glory will be seen over you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Johannesburg, enlarge the place of your tent and stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, Joburg, for lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will expand to the right and to the left. Lift up your eyes, Joburg, lift them up to the Lord. Your help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord is your keeper, your shade at your right hand. You will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Lord, protect our city, Joburg. Raise up men and women who will advance the purposes for this city. We declare that no weapon formed against our city, Johannesburg, will prosper. We ask, Lord, that you will be the wall of fire around Gauteng, around Johannesburg, and the glory in its midst. Do you know that when you write a crafted prayer, and I know you guys can do even a better job than this, it is easy two minutes or three minutes before you go to bed to actually just take it out and speak it over the city, rather than to think you will not at 10.35 in the evening be feeling like praying for Joburg. But when you have crafted prayers around the city, it's so easy to draw them out. Even when you're on a flight, to just draw it out and begin to silently as you're in your seat to actually pray. You will not always feel like praying for your wife. You will not always feel like praying for your parents or your business, you know, especially after you've just checked out the bank account. No, but when you've got a, a, a crafted prayer over your business, when you've got a crafted prayer over your, your career, it's easy to just take it out, take all emotion out of it and begin to declare it. So if we're going to be effective watchmen over our city, over our families, over our nation, we've got to get into the habit and discipline of writing crafted prayers. Do we think we can do that? Do you think, just start with one this, this week, even if it's over your child, even if it's over some situation in your life. And the moment you get into the habits, you get into the culture, it really becomes easy to craft prayers even for our city. The next um, key is confess and repent for the, for the sins of our city and pray for a spirit of grace and supplication. Confess and repent for the sins of our city and pray for a spirit of grace and supplication. Many years ago, I, um, I was, a, uh, at that time, I was a born-again Christian. I'm talking about maybe 2005, 2006. And I was invited to a, a, a prayer conference 
um, in, in Zim, in, in Arare. And it was basically run by intercessors for Africa. So I'd never been into the, in, in, in this kind of a setting. Yes, I'd been to a prayer meeting. Yes, I understood, you know, one or two things about praying, you know, especially over nations, over governments, and etc. But here's something that happened in that particular conference. So what they had done is they, it was a conference of all intercessors. There was a group, uh, an organization called, and, and they've got intercessors for Africa, they've got intercessors for Europe and the different continents. But this time they were particularly uh, gathered in, in Africa and there were also intercessors from Europe who had come to, 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 to pray. And I mean, these are people who understand these things and these dynamics at a, at a, national, at a, at a national level. But I remember standing, you know, I was, it, it was in, in, in this like big conference and I was upstairs, you know, somewhere up there and watching how these people just effectively prayed for the nation of Zimbabwe at the time, how they would pray effectively for Africa and how they would pray effectively. I mean, the words, the scriptures, the passion, you know, the teachings that were in that, that they would they would, they would share, and it really encouraged me, you know, that even as nations, as a city, we need to primarily, when we come in prayer, to be able to confess and repent for the sins of a city. Now, the thing is, we might not always know, okay, you know, you look at a, a city like Joburg, you know, there's certain things you can, you know, ask, you know, we, we talked last time about the, the history of Johannesburg in my, in, my, in my message, but sometimes this is where we come before the Lord and say, what are the strongholds in this nation? You know, we know there's a strong spirit of greed in Johannesburg, we can come before God and really begin to, to, to confess and repent for that type of, type of sin. I like what it says in Daniel 9 in verse 3. And the thing is, when you repent on behalf of a city, you don't have to say to yourself, well, you know, I wasn't here when Jobek started, when this gold greed started. You know, I'm not even, I wasn't even a part of it. I wasn't even born, you know. But look at the spirit of, of repentance that we see here in Daniel 9, from verse 3, I'm just going to pick out a couple of verses. This is him praying. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made uh, confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled. I like his spirit. Uh, Daniel didn't say, you know what, Lord, these Israelites, even history tells us that they were problematic during the time of Moses. We know they were a rebellious bunch. We know they were always prone to idolatry. He doesn't say that. He comes to God and says, Lord, we have sinned and committed iniquity before your eyes. We have been wicked and rebelled. And so he places himself in that place of humility and begins to confess and repent for the sins of Israel. In verse 8, he goes on to say, Oh Lord, to us belongs shame of face. It doesn't matter if we are to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we've sinned against you. And I just like, you know, and really get encouraged by the heart that Daniel had that to us, Lord, belongs shame and, 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 and uh, uh, shame of face. Verse 10, we have not obeyed your voice to walk in your laws which you set before us by your servants, the prophets. And it goes on and on. And then finally in verse 16 it says, O Lord, according to your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from our city, Jerusalem. I want to encourage us to be a people, to be the kind of watchmen, to be a kind of church who really stand in the gap and say, Lord, it doesn't matter how the sin, it doesn't matter how we got to where we are as a city, as Johannesburg, but we want to pray, Lord, that you would turn your anger, your fury away from us, Lord, that you would forgive us for not obeying, for not moving in your word, for not moving according to the purposes of your word. The same spirit, we see it in Nehemiah uh, 1 verse 6. 
it says, um, both our father's house and I have sinned. This is Nehemiah speaking. Both my father's house and I have sinned. So when we come to God to pray for a city, we have to be in a place to confess and repent for those particular sins as though we were the ones who committed them. When we come before God, we don't need to cover up for the sins of our city. Amen. The next key is that we need to speak the word of God and life over the city. Our attitude toward our city is critical. It is so easy. If you look at the nature of our city, it is so easy to look at Jobek and just, you know, you get into the office, you get into how train, you get into this queue. It is so easy to just develop a culture of complaining. But we know that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Yes, it doesn't mean that we have to deny the problems in our city. Yes, we have to pray that we find the right solutions, but we also have to watch over speaking, uh, speaking negativity over our city. We have to speak life. We have to speak the word of God over our city. We have to come to, uh, when we speak about Jobek, we have to be the kind of people who come in a different spirit and actually speak life. My questions to you are how excited are you over this city or are you just enduring in an environment that you despise? Praying for a city that you don't like or are not excited over can be a traumatic experience. Okay? If I were to say to Jacques right now, let's pray over your family, I'm sure you'd be the first person to jump up and say, guys, come, let's gather, let's do this. But if I were to say, you know, to some of you, you know, let's pray over the king of Iran. Uh, well, you know, you may be out of obedience and you, know, you might just, you know, but it's not like your, it's not your, your, your natural, you know, incl inclination to want to jump and. So when you pray, if you, if you don't like something, you're not passionate about something, it actually be can become a traumatic experience to actually pray over it. And it's the same when we think about our city. If we don't like or begin to speak positively, the way we're gonna like Jobek, guys, is we're gonna begin to speak positively about it. When we speak positively about it, when we speak the life of God over it, when we speak the word of God over it, it becomes easy to pray for it. My next question is, do you really want revival in this city? Or are we the kind of uh, Christians or church that says, ah, oh, well, you know, if we stumble over revival, that would be great, you know, you know. But do we really, you know, say and think to ourselves and say, do we want revival in this city? Will you and I be prepared to pay the price for victory over this city? Some of you will remember or have heard or read about John Knox. He was a Scottish reformer. He prayed to God, and you know what he said? He said, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. Lord, give me Scotland or I die. How many of you have prayed prayers like, God, give me Jobek or I die? <laughs> you know, you're like, ah, something else, Lord, but not Johannesburg. But he prayed, he was such an incredible reformer. If you read, the, you know, the history around John Knox and what he did in Scotland, his prayer, passionate prayer was, Lord, give me Scotland and I die. I want us to be the kind of people who are so passionate about our city, about our nation, that we will say, Lord, give us this city, or we might as well not go anywhere further. Would you pray, God, give me Johannesburg, or I die? The next key is we need to travail until birth. Isaiah 66, verse 9, it says, Shall I bring to a time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I, who cause delivery, shut up the womb, says your God? There are times when God's Spirit stirs our souls to seasons of intense travail. We must travail in prayer until God's purposes for this city are birthed. That which is conceived of God will eventually come to birth. And God gives us the promise that do I bring to a time of birth and not cause delivery. 
I want to encourage us as a church. I want to encourage us as we begin to position ourselves as watchmen on the cities of Joburg to be those people who say, Lord, whatever it takes, we want to travail. We want to push. We want to push. We want to push in prayer. We want to push in intercession. We want to push in hope. We want to push in faith until something is given birth, something of you is given birth in this city. Amen. The next key is pray for the persons or people in policy-making positions or other positions of authority. In 1 Timothy verse 2, it says, I exhort thee, therefore, to first of all, um, I exhort you, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. The reality of the matter is that cities are run by provincial or you know, city uh, governments, and so it is our responsibility we encouraged in this verse to actually pray for those in authority. The next key is we need to pray for every domain in our city. We need to pray for the family domain. We need to pray for the education domain, church, government, business and economics, agriculture, health, science, technology, media, communication, arts, entertainment, and sports. I want to encourage us to be the kind of people, the kind of church that brings these domains up to prayer in God. The next... Um, key is working with other believers in the city. In other words, those, uh, you see, the fact of the matter is that no one person, I mean, I know we, 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 yes, it is good to say we are the coolest church in town and so on. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's no one person, there's no one church, there's no one organization, there's no one business that can change a city by themselves. The next key to becoming effective watchmen on the walls of our city is working with other believers in the city. The fact of the matter is that no one person, no one church, organization, or business can change a city by themselves. So within a city, everyone has to work together in partnership to address the problems of the city for the gospel together. Yes, in terms of who we partner with, we've got to be, we, we have to be prayerful in selecting those partnerships. We have to be careful. We have to be wise. But we need to understand that we need to work with other believers who are like-minded, who are Bible-believing, who are spirit-filled, who've got reformation uh, at, their, at their hearts, who really want to see God's purposes be advanced in this, in this city. So when we all begin to work together in the areas that God has gifted us, we will make a big, big difference in our city. So we need to be the kind of people, the kind of watchmen, the kind of church that says, hey, who else can we team up with? Who else can we share ideas with? Who else can we partner with? Who else can, can we do this thing with so that we really become effective Christians, so that we really become effective watchmen over our city? Amen? And the next key is when we pray for our, our city or our nation, we need to pray for the peace of our city. In Jeremiah 29 verse 7, it says, Seek the peace of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for the city. Pray for the peace of the city, for in its peace you will find your peace. And so we have to be praying uh, perpetually for the peace, for the stability of our city. We have to be asking God questions like, what is it in this season that we need to be praying for, Lord? 
guide us, make us sensitive to the things that are, are concerning you, the things that are burdening you. We have to be saying, Lord, hey, give us your, your burden for our city. Place it on our shoulders. Ignite that fire to pray for the peace, for the stability, for the order of our city. We have to be that kind of, kind of a people. So these are the are some of the, the most important, not an exhaustive list, but some of the important keys that we need to bear in mind if we are to be effective watchmen on the walls of our city. So as I come to a conclusion, I just want to read Hebrews 11 verse 32 to 35. I really love this uh, uh, chapter in the Bible, the chapter of faith, the heroes of faith. But in verse uh, 32, it reads, And what more shall I say? For the time, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of the fire. They escaped the age of the sword and out of weakness were made strong. They became valiant in battle. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens and women received their dead raised to life again. And what, what these verses do to my spirit is they encourage me. They encourage us to have the faith that, you know, when we, when we look at ourselves, when we look at our church, when we look at our city, where we say, yes, by faith we can subdue the enemy of this city, the enemies of this city. By faith we can pray, by faith we can come out with practical means to have, uh, to make changes in our city. By faith, we can obtain the promises that God has obtained for our city. By faith, yes, if we've got faith, yes, our prayers can really make a difference in, a, in this city. Yes, we can have, we can work out the practice, we can work out practical measures of, on, on how to do this. But unless they are accompanied with and by faith, we will not go anywhere. I like what Billy Graham once said. He said, to get nations back on their feet, we must fuck first get down on our knees. And that's what I believe is the same for our city, for our nation. We must believe that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. And to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want to encourage us to be a resilient people. I want to encourage us to be faithful, responsible watchmen over our city. I want us to be looking in the natural, but also be looking in, a, in our spirit to be, to be our inner person, our spirit to be alert, always saying, oh, what's going on? What is it that we need to be praying for? What is it that we need to watch out for? Not only for, for our, our, our lives or situations in this generation, but even for the generations to come. I want to encourage us to be a people, a church that is faithful in watching over our city. Amen.